Are you ready? Yeah. Are you with it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere. Hang on, hang on, hang on! Welcome to Checkered Past, a loving postmodern examination of the Go-Go Check branded comic magazines published by DC Comics between February 1966 and August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic noveldom. This week, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, number 97. Cover date, October 1966. Cover price, 12 cents. Cover artists, Kurt Swan and George Klein. Edited by Mort Weisinger. Featuring The Fortress Death Trap. Written by Jim Shooter. Art by Pete Costanza. And His Highness Prince Jimmy Olsen, written by Leo Dorfman, art by Pete Costanza. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we go go. pays a visit to Superman's Fortress of Solitude. While studying some of Superman's trophies, Jimmy accidentally releases a supercriminal named Talvar from another dimension. Meanwhile, Jimmy searches Metropolis for Prince Sumi of Rutoria, who has fled his country when his father, King Vonar, refused to let him marry his girlfriend, Marina. Jimmy locates the prince, but also finds that assassins are targeting him. Concerned? Don't worry, I'll be right back with Dr. Husband and a special guest to explain everything. The summer smiles, the summer knows, and unashamed She sheds her clothes The summer smooths The restless sky And lovingly she warms the sand On which we lie Oh my gosh, I don't have an intro ready. Well, hello! Hello! Listener, Superman has a pal, Jimmy Olsen, and we have a pal too. Mark Gray. Oh, so excited. I was so I didn't need to get up until 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time this morning. But thinking about this woke me right up at six o'clock and I was just sitting there going, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Really? I love it when you join us. Thank you very much. It's wonderful to be here. (laughs) It sounds like I've given you a bit of a nightmare. No, no. Well, it's been a busy week. Let me before we jump into the comic, let me just I will quickly tell you what's been going on. We have been held hostage by our 
painting contractors. Yeah. Now, Dr. Dr. Uh, Dr. Bob and I, I'm Dr. Husband, um, we've never hired painters before in our lives. We've always just done the work ourselves. But our neighbor was doing painting and she said, you've got to consider using these people. And we've been living in our house for four years. And we said, you know, we haven't painted one damn room in this house. So we said, let's just try it. Right. So we engaged a painter uh, at a really reasonable price because they're also painting the house next door um, to paint a couple of rooms for us. And she said it'd take a two two days to to do the job. Well, it's taken six. This is day six. It's a Saturday morning, and we've got painters in our. We've house. got painters in the house, and we've got like we every time they come, I have to bring the dogs with me to work. So I've had the dogs with me all week, um, which is like it's not a big deal, except that Junebug uh, the beagle is really needy. But not only that, it's Easter week, so Mister's going back and forth to church all week. I've been uh, going to church over here in town. Um, I'm also I've been car shopping and I'm finally convinced twisted Dr. Dr. Bob to um, consider loosening his purse strings enough for me to buy a car. And um, what else? Oh, oh, and we have a friend coming to stay with us uh, tomorrow. So we have to whip through the house like like, um, well, I wish we could do that, like Bewitched. Um, like Samantha from Bewitched, mm-hmm. just you know, do her, do her noses, but no, we gotta go through well, the I house. Well, I can't do everything. You've already made me Ricky Ricardo. I can't be Samantha too. <laughs> The painters, though, they sound very, very thorough. That's something. Well, the the problem was that um, it, she's uh, the woman. The woman who owns the business. She's hired a new painter, really, really nice guy. But he hasn't quite understood that he needs to show up like early in the morning. So he's been showing up two or three hours later than she's been telling us, and so that the job's taking much longer to do. But I really like what they've done. But have you had words with the painter and said, you know, if you want to survive in this life, you've got to actually do a good job. Oh no, we talked to to the contractor like. Yeah, that. we talked to the boss. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good, good look. Anyway, yes, I want to see pictures when it's all done because we've been in this house five years and it's getting to the stage where we probably paint over the cup of coffee I poured down the wall two and a half years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that having hired the painters and and gone through this, it's made me say no. We both said we can do this much faster ourselves. Um, so first time, you know, it's it's fine. It's fine. And you've got those shelves put up and we can put your superhero. Yes, figures I can back put up. my toys back up. Yes. And then I'll be a real boy. <laughs> <laughs> so but how are you? I'm fine. I've had a wonderful week. I don't know whether you, you know that my normal job is working on the newspaper in the department. I think they call it op-ed. Don't, I don't know what op-ed stands for. I should, but I was. Anyway, it's like. Political features, putting together the, the letter columns so I can sway, I can sway the country with people's opinions. No, uh, <laughs> deciding whose death is interesting enough to get in the paper. But this week, I'm back to my old job that I used to do because my my colleague Will is off this week, so I'm working on the Saturday magazine, which is a little more glamorous. So instead of being buried in letters mourning about politicians, it's been all the pearls and cookies and potato salad, and I love it. Oh. Do you do like uh, do f- home tours like um, in your area? Just sort of like this is the featured home of the week. We do that in the property section. I used to work on that as well, but sadly not anymore. But it's good for our our home wouldn't wouldn't be any good because there were all the manky cats around. <laughs> <laughs> do you have lamb cakes? Do you know what lamb cakes are? I don't know what lamb cake. Tell me what lamb cakes are. Well, it's it's pretty. It's, it's a I, cake. It's in a the cake. shape of a lamb. Yeah, you put in a lamb mold, and and it's sort of a mold that's in two parts, and then you close it up and you bake the cake in it. And 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 when it's done properly, the lamb can stand up on its. It, it's it's a, it's a lamb that's lying down with its head up, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. And Bob's family used to have a lamb cake mold, 
and no one can figure out where it went. Well, I'll be damned. One of my friends sent me um, a uh, a picture of a lamb cake made out of Jello, and so it had like uh, cherry tomatoes for eyes, and then it had vegetables inside that looked like its innards. It was, <laughs> I said, we've got to make this. We've got to make this. <laughs> well. Yes, do a do a video. I was thinking about lambs today because I was watching a TV show, Saturday Kitchen, and they were doing a lamb dish. And I was thinking, well, people like lamb and they say it's so tasty. People aren't so keen on mutton. So does that mean that if I was a cannibal, I should just avoid the adults and go straight to the babies? <laughs> well, they say they're the softest. That's why they grind them up and make lotion out of them. Ah, I've, I've been accused of being Martin dressed as lamb. <laughs> well, I suppose we should dive into this, shouldn't we? I suppose. Speaking of home tours, we can take a tour of the Fortress of Solitude. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Olsen, Superman's pal, number 97, October 1966. Jimmy is firing uh, on the cover a kryptonite flame gun at some powerful enemy who is not affected. Yes. Because he's more powerful than Superman. Yeah. Go figure. Well, how do we get in this predicament? Well, let's find out. So, uh, I'll skip the splash page because the splash page gives away the story that's coming up. But I will say that the statue of Superman on the splash page, I could have sworn, was drawn by Steve Ditko. I can see that. He's certainly a little bit looser than... Regular Superman house style. This is drawn by isn't it? Pete Constanza, who used to draw, I think, Captain Marvel in the 40s. So mm-hmm. he's not quite there with the Curtis One type stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he does look like he's about to move, doesn't he? He doesn't look, he's, he, the, 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 the drawing doesn't look like he's standing in, in, a, in, a, in a weighty position. It looks like he's, a, he's in motion. He right. looks like he's going to the toilet. I know that position. <laughs> so our story begins with superman flying jimmy to the fortress of solitude whereas everyone knows there's a giant key disguised as an airplane marker uh which only superman supergirl can lift and that keeps intruders out which begs the question why does jimmy have to wear dark glasses to not know the location of the fortress and why is he wearing a red and white christmas suit (laughs) that's the national costume of the arctic But didn't he? Did Superman usually put people in the cape when he was taken in there? But there was there was never any particular any particular business about you know you can't know where it is. That was Batman where he throw people in the boot. But yeah, Superman's fine. And what's the harm if nobody can lift the key anyway? Exactly. Yeah. So once they're inside, uh, Superman uh, Superman tells Jimmy that it's it's warm enough for him to take off his parka. Thank goodness. And he's of course dressed. Uh, for business underneath that parka. Soup yeah, and bow tie. Bow tie. Yep. Um, now Superman surprises Jimmy with uh, a new addition to the Jimmy Olsen room. And as they wander through the fortress on the way to the Jimmy Olsen room, uh, Superman reveals a couple of new statues that he's gotten from people whose worlds he has saved. And some new... Items in the weapons hall. Yes. Including a vortex machine. 
an energy band gun and an antimatter machine. That doesn't that seems dangerous. An antimatter machine? Yeah. Yeah. Now what I like on this page though in, in the next panel, there's a picture of Jimmy Olsen in panel two in the corner. Could that guy look any more coquettish? Yes. <laughs> He's got ah, you know, ah, a glamour shot pose with his chin tucked over his left shoulder. <laughs> Did you have glamour shots in Great Britain? Oh, we did all the time. I mean, that that jersey, glamour shots, I was going through a phase, glamour shots on a pack of pain cards brought in puberty. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got over it. Yeah. Uh, the, now, here's the surprise. A statue of Jimmy that looks so real. Jimmy swears it could talk, and guess what? It can. It can. It's a talking statue that reacts and talks just like Jimmy. So a robot. Yeah, what's the purpose of this? I don't know, Jim. Jimmy was actually given an earlier story for his 21st birthday by Superman, a Jimmy Olsen robot. So this one, this one we do find out later, it's a bit different to your normal robots, but I don't know why Jimmy... So, I mean, basically, the reason Superman's took Jimmy to the fortress is to swank off about this latest huge statue he's been given by grateful people who he saved. This <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I have to stop So I know that we have told the story before, but I once performed at the Masonic Temple in Alexandria, Virginia, and they had an animatronic statue of George Washington which was so old that the rubber skin had started to peel away, away from yeah. his face. So you could press a button and George Washington would stand and start to talk. But as he talked, it, you could just see his robot bits poking out from his <laughs> lips, which were peeling away. It's terrifying. And I was on because we were performing there. We were only there to rehearse in the dead of night. So it was all dark and gloomy and scary. George Washington walking around. When, when I when I was about fifteen, I used to babysit for a couple a couple of streets away, and I'd go out at night. And you know, being just a normal inquisitive kid, I'd go through the cupboards. Really? I, I came across all these this strange cape in the cupboard, a, a dagger and odds and swords. And I was convinced the guy was a devil worshiper, but <laughs> Mason, and they're probably still after me now. <laughs> I'm sure he's uh, was a vigilante, doing only good. <laughs> He's probably a LARPer. Probably. Like, What's a LARPer? Oh, oh. Live role play. Live yeah, live action, action role yeah. play. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So suddenly from across the universe comes Supergirl's voice calling by super ventriloquism. I didn't realize that super ventriloquism could, could reach across the, the reaches. The airless of, space. Airless space. Uh, the sure. vacuum of space. Mm -hmm. Superman. <laughs> What's that? It's super ventriloquism, of course it can. <laughs> Let's just rewrite the laws of science. Superman, help me. I'm trapped by super monsters <laughs> in, in Sector 3 by Planet Marax. And she sure is. He uses his telescopic vision. To see across space. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I call bullshit on no, that. No, that's how it works. I'm sorry. Okay. I didn't make the rules. All right. So Superman takes off, leaving Jimmy alone in his own... Jimmy Olsen room, where <clears throat> luckily enough, Superman has also just stored some of his old trash. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So Jimmy drops his pencil as he's taking shorthand notes for the article he's going to write on Superman's weapons room. And the statue, I guess, is some kind of mirror, has some kind of mirror image One would technology. Assume that, yeah, yeah. Because as Jimmy bends over to get his pencil, this statue bends over and knocks right into one of these crates that's being stored in the Jimmy Olsen room, which contains uh, some kind of dimensional transfer machine. Yeah, it's, well, at least it has the uh, Superman had the sense to put a sign on this as danger, do not touch. But of course, right. the statue didn't see it. Well, statues can't read. Yes, famously, famously. He's like one of those mime artists. This like, isn't he? This copier, the irritating. Yes. <laughs> like Shields and Yarnell, did were they popular in your neck of the woods? I've not heard of them, so I could look them up on YouTube. Were they, were they wonderful? Shields and Yarnell were a married couple. And they were mimes, and they were always on the Sonny and Cher show. And they oh, had a whole skit where they played robots. Yeah. That sounds a hoot. An absolute hoot. Uh, so we see the, a dimensional doorway opens, a dark shadowy dimension opens, and out pops a man dressed in a curious costume. Yes, it's a dark leotard. <laughs> Sleeveless and legless, with orange epaulets and gloves and a big, wide wrestling belt. Yeah, on the cover though, it's 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 purple and orange, and he's got his hair. And I was certain that was going to be an interdimensional evil version of Jimmy Olsen, but here with the curled hair and the arched eyebrows, it's cosmic John Crawford. <laughs> 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 Oh. Yes, I also was certain from the cover it was alternate Jimmy, but I no. guess we'll have to read that story another day. This one was rather severe. Um, he is uh, Talvar, who's master of the dark dimension. He had previously escaped before, but Superman uh, found him attacking a helpless civilization and made a machine to dispatch him back to his own dimension. This machine, which has coincidentally been stored in your room, <laughs> and since you've released me and destroyed the device, you too must be a sworn enemy of Superman. Well, he's purple. He's what? He's wearing purple. Villains wear purple. That's true. Yes. His boxes are green. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, so he assumes that Jimmy's going to join him, and the the plan is to. Uh, lay waste to the earth, then trap and kill Superman. But uh, Jimmy says, nope, nope, uh, he's my buddy, he's my pal. And when he gets back from his mission from space and it gets interrupted by Talvar by saying, if you're not the enemy of Superman, then uh, you've released me from my accident and I'm going to start by killing you. Jimmy, what a rookie mistake. You should have played along to get, I, the, get the scoop. Yeah, get the scoop. <sighs> Well, Jimmy's dead now. The end. Yep. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. <laughs> no, Jimmy lashes out. Mm-hmm. And punches what is the equivalent of a fleshy brick wall. Yes. Yes. Because Talvar has neglected to inform Jimmy that he's got all of Superman's powers and more. And he's never showed off the full range of his powers because his foes always die before he gets through. <laughs> Good Lord. 
So he backs backhands Jimmy into the next room. Tosses him like a feather. Mm-hmm. Luckily, Jimmy lands right beside the robot control device for all of Superman's robots, as you know, Rob. Yes, of Superman course. has a fleet of robots. And they don't they're not powerful. I mean, they can fly and they can kick and punch, but they're not powerful. They're not Im- imbued with any specific special powers. Uh, I thought that in, in my memory, though, they always were. They were always they had the exact same powers. Otherwise, what's the point? Otherwise, they would. <laughs> You know, be able to just impersonate Clark Kent or stand inside a tree. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I w- I'm in the presence of two experts in comics, so I was afraid to tip my hand. But I actually thought that these robots did have powers, and I was surprised that they were torn apart so easily by Talvar. Well, because Talvar has announced that he's more powerful than Superman, so. Well, he makes short work of these guys. Um, Bloppo. <laughs> I always wondered why Superman didn't just send the robots out to fight crime and then he could carry on his noodling Lois Lane or whatever he's going to do. <laughs> well, let's see what we move on here. Um, well, Jimmy's trying to make his way to the Phantom Zone projector, which is at the far end of the fortress. Right. So he's that's why he's throwing all of these distractions in Talvar's way. So Talvar makes, uh, breaks up all the robots. Um, Jimmy's first weapon he reaches is the uh, vortex machine, right? Yes, which Which, can create a powerful wind strong enough to destroy a city. And he did it, but uh, Talvar gets caught up and then just uses his super speed to reverse direction and destroy the vortex machine. Um, Martin mentioned that Pete Costanza used to draw the adventures of Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. And if you look at this bottom left panel where the it says Hall of Weapons. Yes. That's very reminiscent of Captain Marvel's uh, on the Rock of Eternity where the seven deadly sins of man are positioned. It's the same font. Excellent spot. And also, if you look on page two, on, on the final panel of page two, beside that very, very fierce Superman robot, that little green snake model, it is, reminds me of one of the Seven Deadly Sins statues. Yes. Really? <gasps> Look at us, super nerds. <laughs> Be proud. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get back on page eight here. Um, Talvar uses his heat vision to try to block the path of uh, Jimmy. Well, to... hold on. First, he does oh. your favorite super speed trick. Oh, He's uh, caught in the vortex, but he reverses the direction and dissipates the vortex, just like the Flash would do with his no, arms. No, the Flash. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it just bothers me when the Flash rotates his arms like that, and that, and and in that circle on by his sides. It, joints aren't made to work like that. Body joints aren't made to work like that. They are when they're imbued with super speed. Oh. Duh. Agree to disagree. Uh. I love that on that on that period where Jimmy's where Jimmy's running through the fortress, he's, he's almost singing, you know, I've no place to run, no place to hide. <laughs> <laughs> so Talvar uh, uses his heat vision to block Jimmy's path with a wall of flame. Luckily, Jimmy's reached another weapon. The very handy temporary atom enlarger. Yeah, not harmless at all, folks. Nope. At maximum power, it can expand some atoms that happen to be in the air. 
and uh, their atomic force can knock Talavar off of his balance. Now, I'm no scientist, but yes. I think if you're going to expand atoms to, to be that large from atom size, That's you're called... probably going to blow the fortress off the map. And possibly the Earth. That's what. That's how atom bombs work, isn't it? They just... Martin, you're a scientist. Oh, that's so true. Well, yes, but in Earth, in a, on Earth One, where the story takes place, atoms don't work exactly the same. Otherwise, the atom wouldn't be able to use dwarf material to enlarge himself and shrink himself. So I think we just have to go with this and just concentrate on the fact that Mildred Fierce's flame breath or flame eyes is so. <laughs> <laughs> Superman is, I mean, look at that. It's like a dragon's flame coming from his eyes rather than just like a little a little ray. He's very impressive. He is deadly. But um then Jimmy, let's see, he so he's turned on this atom enlarger and, and temporarily blinded Talvar, and then Jimmy grabs a fire extinguisher <laughs> and starts putting out the flames. Yes, smart lad. Uh the atoms shrink again. With a mighty sputter. Pop. Pop. Why is that hyphenated? Sputter. <laughs> Nobody knows. I like the pop beside it. <laughs> pop. Pop. Meanwhile, Jimmy is farther down the hall, and he has just enough time to prepare another weapon. It's uh, some kind of gravity ray machine, which is going to pin Talavar to the ground. I like this one. Yeah. It's a shower, isn't it? A large head of a rainfall shower. Yes. Yes. Uh, but it's no good. Talavar is able to rip the gravity increaser from its base and throw it at Jimmy, barely missing Jimmy. Jimmy then gets to the blast ray. What does that do? What's going to blast him? Oh, but he doesn't get a chance to use it. No, because uh, heat vision. Uh, Talvar attacks the blast ray with heat vision, which causes the blast ray to backfire and almost knocks Jimmy unconscious. Uh, can we pause for a second? Just to, uh, I was just scanning through. Uh, once every couple pages, who who drew this? Who inked this? Pete Costanza. Pete Costanza will extend the characters outside of the panel. Mm -hmm. So you see this on page ten. You see Talvar extending from from panel two into panel one, right? Mm -hmm. And you see it. Um, let's see, Talvar's hand coming out on page eight from the mm -hmm. panel, and his leg on page seven. Mm -hmm. um, I just think by it's page twelve we'll have a whole body outside. I just think it's interesting that that this happens once in a while. It's not every every page doesn't have it. Is that a thing? I mean, is that is that? It's not uncommon, I wouldn't say. No, I, I mean, I just think it's interesting that he's chosen certain panels to do that with. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't something you would see with with the, the other artists in, in Jimmy Olsen when when John Forte was drawing as I don't think he did. It. You know, John Forte, the guy who used to draw the early Legion of Superhero strips, and everybody so sad the whole time. And I don't think he used to do that at all. Hmm. And Kurt Swan, when he did the odd issue, and Kurt Schaffenberger, pretty sure they didn't. So I think that's a good spot. All right. Now, Talvar is stunned by the backfiring of the blast ray, as is Jimmy. Uh, it turns out all the large weapons he needed to put the finishing touches on Talvar were destroyed in the explosion. Right. And Jimmy is forced to use smaller hand weapons. Yes. 
which are only going to delay the inevitable because Talvar is too powerful. Well, I like that Jimmy grabs this, uh, what is this called? Um, well, it's just a little hand uh, gun of some sort. It shoots like bands of energy. Yes. And he with <laughs> zappity zap. It makes that sound. Zappity zap. Zappity zap. Wasn't that? What's that lovely Disney film that's racist? The racist one? Oh, uh, Song, Song of the, of the South. South. Yeah, zippity doo Zappity 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 zap. It looks like he's, he's popping. Yes. yes, it's some form of bondage. Oh, how lovely. Well, I mean, he, he does. He, he's the villains we've seen in Superman. I mean, he's like a, a proto Vartox with his dress design. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if you look, I mean, if you look at page ten, panel two, those buttocks are so pert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually the one commenting about um, how how well drawn a Green Lantern's buttocks well, always yes, are. Yes, I was yes. going to say, did Gil Kane sneak in and draw this panel? Yeah. Yeah. So Jimmy's just pulling weapon after weapon. He's got a freeze ray, a, some kind of a, another flame weapon. Uh, well, Talvar's got super freeze breath, of course, because it's got all Superman's power. So he turns the floor into a sheet of ice. Jimmy grabs up a pair of flash goggles uh, and tells Talvar that he's going to be blinded by the flash that's about to come. So Talvar covers his eyes. It was just a trick. It was just a trick. He's not going to hurt his eyes at all, but it just gives Jimmy just enough time to get to that antimatter machine from another universe. Now, I'm no scientist. Yes. I've said before, but an antimatter machine, mm-hmm. that's some serious destructive power. Yes. Uh, as we know, yes. antimatter interacts with matter and everything's destroyed. Yes. Here, I mean, just... The heck with that. What the heck does buffaloes mean? Jimmy Buffalo's him in panel four. Yes, thank you for pointing that out. I saw that the, uh, when I read this. I said, "What? That's an interesting word, buffaloed." Um, I mean, the way I would interpret it is that he just tr- tr- tricked. I don't know, tricked him. Have you ever heard anyone use the word buffalo as a I verb? Have, but as I a verb. Can't, yes. Well, if if we all do it this week in our individual social circles, by the end of the month, it will be everywhere. <laughs> Like well, that explosion, because I think yeah, I, I think he's spot on. I think that would blow everything up even worse than the nuclear air you had earlier. Mm-hmm. Speaking of words that have gone out of style, uh, we always see something about someone pulling a boner in in uh, in. Oh sure, there's a whole issue the of Batman about yeah the, the Batman's boners. Batman's yeah. boners. Oh, the Joker's boners. Well, it wasn't. Ah, ah. Oh, oh, yeah. and what else did I see? Oh, I saw a panel this morning from uh, a 1960s Avengers comic, and apparently the term uh, solid dick used to mean straight talk. Really? <laughs> so there's a panel of Iron Man talking to Captain America, and he says, what you need, chum, is some solid dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, one thing that I have to do when I'm copy editing news stories and feature stories is so many young reporters these days they use this it's an old american expression i think and instead of just saying you know they, they were beaten they'll say beaten off and it's like oh <laughs> 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 
Well, whatever stops the crime, that's what I say. Exactly. Whatever it takes. Sometimes it's a, it's a fist to the face, and sometimes it's just a good old-fashioned distraction. <laughs> no, we avoid fisting in the newspaper as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, antimatter now, in the air, right? Well, this is a very strange kind of antimatter because it hardens on contact with the air. And that's not how antimatter works. Well, it's a lucky thing. The alternative is to destroy the universe. Yeah. Uh, even Superman probably couldn't break out of this antimatter prison, but guess what? Talvar can, because he's stronger than Superman. Can I just pause here and say that Jimmy's doing a pretty good job of holding his own? He's had several pages here of conflict with this guy who's more powerful than Superman, and he's still alive. He's practically Sigourney Weaver in Aliens. <laughs> no, he, I mean, he's still absolutely brilliant. I mean, if you look at the determination on his, on his, on his face in that panel after he, after Talbot, who surely is an anagram, breaks out of the, of the antimatter. I mean, Jimmy looks just so manly. And he mm-hmm. like, as you say, page after page. I mean, young Jim really seems to be sort of pushing Jimmy forward as, uh, you know, someone who is worthy of being Superman's pal. Yes. yes. And I have to say, I noticed something that I hadn't noticed before. What? Well, of course, Jimmy Olsen's on, oh, you're on page 12. Jimmy Olsen's shirt is open, right? Yes. Which means he lost his bow tie at some point. Yes. If you go back to page 10 on panel four in the middle of the page, you'll notice that he's wearing a clip-on bow tie. What? Yes. Notice it is not, it's not a traditional bow tie. It's still tied, and it shouldn't be tied like that. I, as someone who likes to wear bow ties at work, I will tell you. And then you see it hanging down off his collar. Yeah. Well, in page eleven, we see the fate of the bow tie. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, there the bow tie does have a. It is a tie bow tie. Oh uh, well, no, well, it's a clip on. Okay, well, he probably has. What I mean by clip on is where it's pre-tied. It's pre-tied. Oh, and then yeah. it loops in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, honestly, men in bow ties. If I see a man in the daytime wearing a bow tie, it's, it's just marriage material. Ah. <laughs> Ah, adorable. Agreed. You know, I've noticed that if, you, if you're wearing a, a sport coat or a suit and a bow tie, if you happen to be a little bit heavier than you want to be, you know, like I, Jesus, I, 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 lose, I gain and lose the same 25 to 30 pounds every two years. Um, it, somehow it, it, it looks slimming to wear a bow tie. Not on me. It makes my head look like a Macy's Day balloon. <laughs> I end up looking like a bulldog with a strange novelty collar. <laughs> Now, Jimmy Scott is about to be strangled to death by Talvar. Yes. It looks like. He's got one more chance. This grenade in his hand. Right. Which he throws right at Talvar. And, of course, it does it. Talvar barely feels a tickle. Right. Just then, Superman bursts through the roof of the fortress. Now, if Superman can just burst through the roof, why does he need the key? Well, to keep... Oh... I was going to say, well, he'd decorating, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Superman distracts Talvar long enough for Jimmy to get to the Phantom Zone projector, which is uh, kept, as we heard, at the far end of the fortress under a cake tin. What do you call those? Cake dome? Cake plate? Oh, there, is, there is a name. I've got one downstairs. Plastic. Beautiful. Can't remember. I can't either. It's a kid something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, if my other half Steve was here, he knows. It'll come to us. We'll yes. Uh, Jimmy presses the button and off 
uh, Talvar goes into the Phantom Zone. You remember, Rob, last week when the Legion of Superheroes presented Superman with a statue of himself holding the Phantom Zone projector. Yes. So that he could send Mr. McSiz Pitlick uh, shredded in half into the Phantom Zone. Yes. Uh, Talvar's vanishing, but so is Superman. Ha ha, Jimmy, you got him too. Or did he? No, because that grenade was a mirage grenade, which only gave the illusion of Superman. It gives the illusion of whatever someone is thinking of, and Talvar was thinking of Superman. Yeah. I'm not sure that's what he was thinking of when he had his hands around Jimmy's throat and was getting (laughs) closer to him. Right, what if if Jimmy had thrown the illusion hand grenade and a a choking Jimmy Olsen had crashed through the (laughs) ceiling? (laughs) later after the real superman returns congratulations jimmy on beating off talvar (laughs) single-handed but you should make a mess of the fortress (laughs) but jimmy says he'll do the cleaning up because it was his fault it wasn't his fault it was a fault well, he was, it, was super, it was Superman who gave Jimmy that stupid statue. It was yeah. Superman's fault for putting that pile of junk in Jimmy's room. And for leaving him alone. Doesn't he have a closet or a storage unit? If the world, Jimmy saved Superman's life here, probably. And he did it without even, he didn't even press his signal watch. He didn't, he's not even wearing it. What I don't, what I don't like is that the Chekhov's gun thing, you know, if you if the gun's there on page three or something, it'll be fired by page 572. But, you know, we have all these weapons that he's used, to, all on page two, all labelled, except which one? The Mirage, Mirage Protector. Right. Grenade. Why is that not there? <laughs> Honestly, well, if yeah. I was the editor, I would have sacked Jim Shooter. He would never have worked again. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, going to mention, this is uh, written by Jim Shooter, who was concurrently writing the Legion of Superheroes mm-hmm. and was, what was he, 14, 15 years old? Something like that, yeah. This reads like it was written by a 15-year-old, unlike the Legion of Superheroes stories. It does, but I mean, it's, it's got a lovely a lovely sort of dynamic speedy through line. Things pretty much make sense in terms of, you know, this the Superman universe, if you ignore the fact that he's got how robots work completely and utterly wrong. I mean, I, I can't imagine, I mean, if I was a 10-year-old kid, I would have, I don't think I would have been dissatisfied with this one. Oh, no. Yeah, I do like the uh, endless chase aspect. Yes. Yeah, I, th- I think your Sigourney Weaver reference is very on point, because... They obviously, you know, based aliens and alien on this. Yes. They should sue. <laughs> I think they should. Um, you want of move? course, one of my very favorite stories is that story, which is obviously stolen from Alien, where Kitty Pride's running through the mansion and the creature's chasing her. Oh, yes, the Nagari demon. Yes. 142, was it? Something like that, mm-hmm. Those were the days. I was exactly the same age as Kitty Pride. Really? Yes. And I still am. <laughs> it, was, it was like you were living vicariously through her. It was, actually. Yeah. Dr. Husband read that issue, because it is a, a smatter. It's brilliant. 
Uh, I bet he hasn't, but I can arrange that. What's that? Huh? I can arrange for you to read that issue of X-Men. Okay. It's exciting. Woo. Now, I don't want to get everyone's hopes up, but we have a second story in this issue. It's true. Uh, Who wrote this one? Uh, Leo Dorfman. Okay. Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, can we believe our eyes? Is that our cocky Jimmy Olsen who is playing the role of slave for a day to a conceited member of royalty? Yes, it is. Our headline happy hero, proving once again the extreme lengths he'll go to for a scoop. Want more evidence, Rob? Yes. <laughs> then read on and watch him put his very life on the line when he dons another of his famous disguises and becomes his, his highness, highness Prince, Prince Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen. Olsen. They'd never name a Prince Jimmy. No. Surely it would be James. James. And they'd use his middle name, too. Right? Bartholomew. Bartholomew, yes. Uh, one hectic day in the office of the Daily Planet editor, Perry White. You don't have to tell me about hectic days. Oh, my gosh. Just even just this morning, Rob rescued a young person's phone from destruction. Oh, yes. Well, you can practically write a pamphlet about what I did. <laughs> tell us more. Well, I helped because I found a cell phone in the parking lot. Yes, we're at my satellite place. Oh, my satellite. We're at my work. <laughs> uh, just because they're painting the house, we had to keep the dogs out of their painter's uh, way. So um, as Bob was coming in, he brought into my office a phone. And I couldn't unlock it, obviously, but there was a, a picture of a, of a young couple on the phone. Now get this. This is some real detective work. I am practically Trixie Belden. Um, no, let's say one of the Hardy Boys. Nancy Drew. Nancy Drew. Or Robert T. Garden. Or what? Or Robert T. Garden. What's what's that? We need to watch Hallmark movies, kids. <laughs> oh no, who do you like? Rosemary and Time. Oh, Rosemary and Time. Yes. I've never seen that. All the other ones who are pretending to be gardeners, but they're always burying corpses. Yes, they're always finding people yes. die all around. The, if you ever, if they ever come to do any garden work anywhere near you, you lock your door and stay inside. No, it has to be a fancy country home. That's where they do their gardening. Oh my God, I, I love. The show. I don't have a fancy country home. No, you're safe. That's what I'm saying. So uh, we saw a uh, Rosemary and Time. We, we saw it by a parody that French and Saunders did, right? Yes. Um, which was called Bangers and Mash. Right. Yes. And I said, well, as 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 many of our British uh, dramas that we've watched over the years, it, it all starts with watching some sort of parody that French and Saunders did. And then we go at like um, what was the one that with the, with the two fashion designing sisters? Um, oh, House of Elliot. House of Elliot. They did oh, one. House of Idiots. Yes. House of Idiots. It was fantastic. So we so we see the French and Saunders and then we go, I wonder what this is based on. And so we'll, we'll go see it. So we so I've seen Rosemary and Time. Which is this d delicious three season? Oh, it's hot garbage. But it's total. It's total trash. But I swear, I have watched it in its completion five times. Wow! And did you watch the House of Idiots? Oh, Jack, Jack, yes. Jack. As a matter of that's fact, that's our nicknames, that's our nicknames. For each other. B and Jack. B and Jack. <laughs> I just love it. Absolutely <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> well, same writer. Also did one called Lilies, which is brilliant. Before she did call the midwife, all worth watching. That's the same writer as House of Elliot. I think that was Heidi. Yeah, I think. So. Oh, did you uh, did you watch House of Elliot? Oh, religiously. So do you know it ends on a cliffhanger, right? 
Yes, I can't remember what it was, but it did. Oh, uh, the sister, uh, uh, Evie. Evie stands up and says, I'm going to fight because they're expanding the business or something. Right. I'm going to fight you every step of the way. That's the end. That's brilliant. And I admit I was wrong, actually. No, no, it was divided by Eileen Atkins and Jean Marsh, who, of course, did upstairs, downstairs. Right, right, right. Oh, yes. I apologize. No, what, what was the name right. of the series? Lilies? Lilies? Lilies, Lilies was done, to, yeah, done by the, the, the lady behind uh, behind House uh, Call the Midwife. You know, the one who's married to Paul McGann, Heidi Thomas. Yes. But definitely, honestly, Lilies was one, just one series. What they did was, any, anything like Upstairs, Downstairs, House of Elliot, Call the Midwife, you put on Sunday nights, that's where they go. The BBC put it on a Friday, 9.25, which is a police drama slot. It died, and it was brilliant. They should have repeated it on Sunday a year later. It'd still be going. You know, we should subscribe to that BritBox oh, television I service. Part of something. Do you follow any football teams? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I saw one football match in 1973 at my <laughs> <laughs> Because she... Sunderland, which is the nearest football team town to me in Seam Harbour in England in County Durham, mm-hmm. I was in the in the FA Cup final, which is a big cup final match, and we all gathered round to watch it because it was on the colour TV. But I don't know. I was once as a young cub reporter sent to fill in for the football writer to do a football match. I had no idea what was going on, so I wrote a colour piece on the pies, which was very good. But they never <laughs> again. Now, as a cub reporter, did you wear a bow tie? I tried once. I tried once. It didn't. It didn't. Work. No, I just wore a sort of general nineteen eighty striped proper ties, normal ties. Mm. And I, I didn't have any old guy who considered me his pal and flew me up his arms. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so you asking about football? Well, it's just that um, I happen to like. Uh, to watch football um and i am trying to find a team that is not manchester united and i was thinking about following tottenham hotspurs tottenham tottenham they had a song in the pop charts once they were deal as a little argentinian or something striker okay my follow sunderland sunderland yeah they're not they're not they're not brilliant they tend to go up and down the divisions but they have a nice red and white striped strip and I think they're, they're, they're nice. They're, they're nice people. Do they have a uh, nude calendar? I don't know, but I know one or two of the players would help out with the price was right. Oh. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. All right. We'll check that out. Yeah. Now, the Daily Planet. Oh, wait. Did I finish that story about the phone? No. Oh, oh, oh a God. So okay, so so anyway, I, I looked and I looked on the phone, and there's a picture of a, of a of a boy and a girl, young, and college age. And I look closely at the girl's the lanyard around her neck, and it says Cutstown. And I all of a sudden I thought, wait a second, there's a bus outside the parking lot. There's a baseball diamond right across the the street from me. I said, I bet Cutstown is here playing a game today, and I bet this is one of the players who dropped their phone. And this is shortly before we got on to Skype with you. I said, Bob, I'll be right back. So I ran outside to the bus. The bus driver wasn't there. But the boys were warming up 
across the way, and I ran over there and I said, "Hey, I found uh, this phone, and and it, it has a, a picture of a guy and a girl, and the girl's wearing Cutstown. Uh, are you guys from Cutstown?" He said, "Yeah," and I, and I said, "Do you know this person?" They said, "Yes, of course we do." So they took the phone and gave it to him. Then did they hoist you on their shoulders and carry you across the pitch? No, I turned around because I had to get in here for this more oh. more exciting thing to do. Well, I it sounds oh. exciting to be carried across the pitch by a gang of boys. No. You can do it later. <laughs> Great Caesar's Ghost. Perry White, the editor of the Daily Planet, has a stack of $10,000 on his desk. Because the Daily Planet's offering a $10,000 reward for information concerning the whereabouts of Prince Sumi of Rutoria. And as we know, all rewards are given only in cash. You know, that that poster picture of Prince Sumi of Rutoria. It looks like Edna May Oliver. <laughs> now, what it looks like is, have you seen those Catholic statues of like of Jesus when he was a boy? And yeah, there's an awful lot where it looks like that. A, bit, a boy Jesus. A boy Jesus, yeah. I mean, I mean, it could be worse. It could have been a treacherical. A what? A treacherical. Have you not pictures that were very popular in the 50s and 60s? I don't know what country he was from, but in the 50s and 60s, and also early 70s, go to any British house, you'll see these pictures of... Uh, they're meant to be Chinese ladies, but they, they generally have green faces or blue faces as if they're members of the Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> Oh, are you still there? I am, yes, yes, indeed. Yes, I do know what you're talking about. The the blue oriental, not oriental, we can't say that no. anymore. Asian ladies. Asian ladies, okay. Yeah, there's folly around the room. Like Chloe White. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Perry White. Uh Apparently, this prince fled from Rutoria because his father, the king, wouldn't let him marry a teenaged commoner. And he's reportedly hiding out in Metropolis. Now, Jimmy's got his eye on that 10 grand. Of course he does. But unfortunately, Daily Planet employees are not able to claim the reward. But what can, what's the next best thing? A scoop. A scoop. An ice cream? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy held heads out onto the streets of Metropolis to visit all of the teen clothing stores. Teen clothing store. Oh, it's such an American thing. Yeah, we've never had teen clothing stores. I mean, we, we generally have granddad's cast-offs. Yes, yes, yes. I remember I used to get all my older brother's stuff, you know, which I didn't mind because he was athletic and, and, um, and, I don't know, his, his jeans were worn in, you know, and just, it was very comfortable. I didn't mind. That sounds good, but I mean, the, the teenage, the teenage dummy, it's, that's quite a nice outfit he's got on. I mm-hmm. mean, emulating Jimmy's movements, but it's a nice dummy, a nice outfit. <laughs> What's he wearing on his head? It's his hair. Yeah, that's his hair, it's a wig. A dummy wig. <laughs> I think somebody came into the shop and turned it around. That's how my hair was at that age. Really? Was it like, Brushed forward like that? No, no, I, it was curly. It was very cute. Oh, I haven't shown Bob pictures. My mom passed away about a year ago, and, I, and uh, in March I, I went down to Florida and um, uh, this year and brought back a bunch of stuff from from my home. And I brought back photo albums, and I have lots of pictures of me with '80s hair. <gasps> oh, yes. 
That sounds cute. Did, did you have lots of sort of teenage adventures such that you would have your own comics line? Oh, no, no. I grew up in Florida. Um, basically, all people who grew up in Florida are feral. I did go once last year, and I can believe it. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know how. I don't know how I wasn't eaten by an alligator, poisoned by a snake, or thrown into a trunk and driven into a lake by my mother. Well, that sounds exciting. I'd read that. <laughs> like Anthro, the first boy on Earth. <laughs> so Jimmy tracks down uh, some clothing that Rumi has brought. No, Sumi, sorry. Rumi's a mystic poet, Rumi, isn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Jimmy postulates that if he were a Rutorian boy alone in a strange city where the language was unfamiliar, what would I do? I'd head right to the bookstore. Right. No luck at the first bookstore. But the second one, he does get some luck, and he finds that somebody had bought a Rutorian adventure book um, and ordered a Rutorian to English dictionary, because as we all know, Rutorian is a very well-known, well-spoken language in this world. Well, there's no indication that that's true. Now, just ask, why is Jimmy lying to the bookstore people and saying, doing a survey? Why can't he just say, has anyone bought a Victorian book? I'm a reporter. So why is he, why are the cloak and dagger and bow tie? Right, and sir, surely he's a well-known figure in Metropolis. He has a fan club. Right. Right. Well, so Jimmy's going to come back the next day to see who picks up the Victorian English dictionary. But as he's about to leave, three thugs come in. Blah blah blah. <laughs> Good afternoon. We make survey. Why? And they're also making a survey. Anyone come here to buy books in the Rutorian language? That's how Rutorian accents are. That is an excellent accent. Well, I try. Uh, they have assumed that Jimmy is a sales clerk at the bookstore. And uh, he lies to them mm-hmm. and says, nope, they don't even stock Rutorian books here. Bah! Rotorian literature is best in world. Come, we find another book score. That makes my throat hurt. Yeah. <coughs> Sexy, though. And that's commendable patriotism on the Rotorian thug's part. Right. <laughs> <laughs> He's best in world. <coughs> so, uh, interesting development in our little story here, huh? Yes. Jimmy follows them to a coffee shop, sits, away, uh, sits in another booth, and watches them in silent sign language. And as someone who has had three hours in a sign language class of American Sign Language, I can say um, with no credibility whatsoever (laughs) that I was surprised that Jimmy then photographed these men in their sign language, assuming that these guys were speaking ASL with their hands, American Sign Language. I think think they're speaking RSL, Rotorian Sign Language. Right, right. Which Obviously, so many Metropolitans speak Rotarian that they have to resort to this and that jimmy can actually read what they're saying through the back of their head right well, and it looks the rutorian sign language looks an awful lot like making shadow puppets <laughs> on the wall. maybe it's a, maybe it's a pictographic language so it's like wolf barking dog head <laughs> flying bird and that all means something bigger well, i'm sure <laughs> 
<laughs> now we do learn that Jimmy's got a miniature spy camera hidden in his bow tie. So maybe that's why it's a clip on. So he takes his, uh, his photographs and then goes to see his good friend at the um, school for deaf mutes. Now we, we would just call that school for deaf. Right. Right. Um, he, the professor is happy to help Jimmy since the Daily Planet Charity Fund has made many contributions to the school for deaf mutes. And uh, Jimmy runs off his pictures after having had them developed. Now, I used to work as a film developer. Yes. This is probably a day or two later. Because they didn't have one hour film developing. In Not the, in the, 60s. the olden days. No. But this is Metropolis, the city of tomorrow. I suppose that's true. Mm. So what, Jimmy just drop his bow tie off at the Walgreens drugstore and pick up <laughs> No, Roman it probably has a USB port in it that he plugged in his bow tie, loaded it into the machine, and ran off the pictures in a matter of 15 minutes. Right, right. Well, you know, you know that Jimmy has this sort of thing because he had a couple of stories before this where he was Agent Double Five, Jimmy Olsen <laughs> Double Five, and he got all kinds of kids. I think I think the, the, issue, the first time he did that was Jimmy Olsen's Super Spy Kit or something, and he had so many different spy items. And I believe that actually bow tie was one of those. Mm. Now, the professor interprets the conversation and realizes that those men are members of a secret sect of Rutorian assassins who plan to find the missing prince and, and kill, kill him. Oh, sure, these aren't Rutorians. You have those in America. The who's the what? The Rotarians, the Rotary Club. Oh, the yes. Rotaries. Oh, they're, oh. The they're out there to do good in sign language. You've been to the Rotary meeting, haven't you? I have. As a matter of fact, I've been thinking about joining the Rotary. <gasps> do you have to learn sign language? I might have to. I might have to kill someone. Oh, how exciting, though. You could make barking dog heads with your hands on the wall. Yes, but <laughs> I. Yeah. You have to pay. <gasps> do you, of course, you know what a mason is, right, Martin? <laughs> yeah, like you said, they live in the cupboard. <laughs> well, my grandfather was a Mason, and um, and I just inherited uh, a bunch of his uh, personal items um, from my, my mother's father, and there are several Mason pins, uh, yeah. like pie pins and such, and I was just fascinated with it. I thought, oh boy, I think I could probably become a Mason because my grandfather was a Mason. Oh, turns out that my uncle Neil, God bless him, he was a Mason, which he shouldn't have been because Masons... I thought they didn't like or allow Catholics in. And, you know, we were a very Roman Catholic family. We're so holy. But he was in there, and he did well in his job. Huh. Chief engineer of the local mine. Huh. That's what I was going to say, is I thought that the Masons had some prejudice against Catholics. Wait, I know something. The Catholics would reveal the Masonic secrets in confessional or something. I know something. I have a special <laughs> side project, Martin. I'm starting to work on my ancestry. Oh, yes. One of my cousins in my family, because last, of course, my last name is Tudor. One of my cousins is my, in my family was Alexander Gibson. He was a longtime director of the Scottish National Orchestra. Oh, really? That's impressive. Yeah. Well, yeah. My, my middle name is Alexander, so we're obviously related. No, we must right. be. Well, if, if you come across any surnames, Gray, Baxter, Troughton, Payne, Anderson or Healy were related. Really? Yes. Obviously, yes. Hmm. <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh. Now, okay. 
The next day, Jimmy is staking out this bookstore, and the prince does indeed come to pick up a dictionary. He knows it's the prince because he knows the clothes that the prince bought. Black, Black jeans, jeans and, and a, a blue, blue blazer. blazer. Yep. So he grabs him and throws him in the car. He kidnaps him. Yep. Um, the conspirators have been waiting also at the bookstore, and they see Jimmy snatch the prince. And uh, they confirm what the sign language reader had said. Yes. They are they are they are uh the black clan has ordained Sumi's death. Now Jimmy gets the prince to his apartment and explains everyone in Metropolis is searching for you, but you can hide here in my apartment if you give me an exclusive on your story. <laughs> well, the prince is not having it. How very dare How you. How very dare you. <laughs> uh he does accept eventually on one condition that you serve as my attendants do back in Rotori. Uh, yes. Agree He's, or you get no story. It's, it's, it's a deal. From now on, you'll get the red carpet treatment from me, your royal highness. Is anybody else getting Duke of Sussex vibes here? So <laughs> <laughs> entitled. Mm. Uh, well, we do have a redhead in the story. So that tracks. So he uh, sets about making Jimmy remove all of his clothes from the closet so he can make room for the prince's garments, although I don't know how many garments the prince has since he's run away from home and just gone to the teen shop. Right. Makes him shine his shoes, cast Jimmy out of his own bed to sleep on the floor. I thought this was going to go in a very different direction, honestly. The prince had his shirt buttoned down to his navel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, then uh, Jimmy... He tells Jimmy that he, uh, when Jimmy brings him breakfast in bed the next day, that he has to get plover eggs. Plover, of course, being a a bird. I think plover is actually a seabird. Is that is that one of those many birds that come into your garden, like the eagle and the buzzard and cute? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any plovers by us. We do have we them don't. by the, they're 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 seaside birds. They're right. water birds. And their eggs, I would imagine, would be much smaller. Very than small. Eggs. I've seen plover. At least the plovers we had in Florida. Um, because I, I used to love to go to the beach and just watch the birds. I used to take a bird book with me, and, and, and um, yeah, plovers are very small. Oh, that's like that film where the guy loses his virginity to the old woman on the beach. <gasps> what film is that? Is this Summer of the First Time? Or was that the song? Summer of 42, I think it was. Oh, oh I've never seen that. I have a You remember the song, you know, it was a hot afternoon last day in June, and the sun was a demon. She yeah, was no. 17, you know. Okay, I'll I'll leave that one. It'll, it'll come to you in the middle of the night. What I want to know, though, talking in the middle of the night, if this guy is a prissy, swanky prince, why is he going to get into some skanky reporter's bed without changing the sheets? Right. right. Well, let's just assume that Jimmy Olsen keeps a very clean, tidy house. Yes. So uh, the prince decides the next day he's going to take a stroll outside and jimmy sees these thugs outside watching the house they must have traced jimmy's car yes uh now the prince assumes that jimmy is trying to trick him mm -hmm. and jimmy says no wait here i will prove that they're out to get you uh jimmy returns with a different car yes. belonging to professor potter and it has an invisible weapon-proof shield. Yes, luckily enough. Uh, Jimmy challenges the prince to ride around in the car to prove that he is actually under threat of assassination. 
They drive around with. Oh, the, the prince is all dressed up in all his royal. Oh yes, 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 epaulets and whatnot. That's an important plot point. Yep. So they start driving around the town. The assassins see them driving, and suddenly, Jimmy sees by using his mobile car-mounted lexophone that they start bowing to the prince. That's an interesting little plot twist. They throw their weapons in the garbage and do a referential bow. Uh, and the prince says, you see, you see, I was recognized by my countrymen and treated with the greatest respect. Your childish tricks bore me. Perhaps at another newspaper, they'll know how to treat a prince. Well, Jimmy says, uh, I don't want to blow my scoop. Hold on, your highness. I'll do anything you ask. Anything, Jimmy? Yes, anything. Get me some plover eggs. <laughs> I haven't eaten yet. He looks like he got an egg on his scarf. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. So Jimmy goes to the Metropolis Zoo and steals eggs. Plover eggs. Those are some big plovers. Yes, they are. And also, uh, the zoo is being staked out by Madame Fatal. <laughs> front patrol. She does look like him. Uh, Madame Fatal, of course, Rob, is a cross-dressing superhero. Yes, yes. Um, back in the apartment... Jimmy's preparing the plover eggs, and the prince receives a telephone call from Marina, his teenage love, who looks about 40. She does look 40. Uh, luckily, there's an extension Jimmy can listen in on. Yes. And uh, the prince agrees to meet Marina at the airport. Jimmy brings his eggs to his royal highness... And the prince passes out because Jimmy's spiked the eggs with a sleeping flower from the some new. It's probably Sonomula. Yeah. Sonomula. Yeah, which is yeah. from a different galaxy because Superman just gives uh, alien plants to Jimmy to keep in all his the apartment. time. Yeah. But the prince, though, if you look at the prince in in the background in in the room, it looks like he's busy having a fish bug shape. <laughs> <laughs> Not only has he passed out, but his clothes have become all disheveled. Maybe there's a panel missing here. <laughs> Hot. So Jimmy, uh, then don, uh, what does he do? He he dons the outfit uh, the prince was wearing, puts yeah. on a wig because yes. he has a he has a whole bunch of wigs in his house. Yes, and uh, decides to. Well, take... he also forgot that he borrowed Superman's cape, so he's got Superman's indestructible cape. Does that happen? Does Superman only have one cape? Well, he has all the ones on the robot. He could borrow one of those. Look the same. Right. But I think he only has one indestructible cape because the that's what was woven out of his baby blankets from Krypton. Oh, that's a deep dive. Not really. It's common knowledge if you know where to listen. <laughs> so Jimmy heads out in disguise as the prince. The killers are trailing him. He signals Superman with his emergency watch. But Superman flies by. <laughs> yes. Superman's on some mission uh, with a giant gobstopper of some kind that he's flying away. Well, it's the car. The car has that invisible shield, so right. the signal can't get through. Well, when I was reading this... Science. When, when I was reading this and you were and you were, you were close by, I said, look at that. Superman just flies right by. He's going, oh, Jimmy's signaling me again. I can't even with Jimmy today. <laughs> what is it now, Jimmy? Uh, the prince, well, Jimmy, as the prince, has approached an ambush point where they have uh, rigged up 
a water tower full of steel rock, balls. Steel balls. Yeah. Uh, which bounce off the shield of the car. I'll tell you what, if we can make an invisible shield for everybody's car, that would be great, wouldn't it? Right? That would solve so many problems. I want one. I mean, Jimmy says, and he thinks, rather, the neatly mouse trapped me, and I'll never been buffaloed. Is that a reference to the game Mouse? Did you have the game Mouse Trap in the US? Uh, yes. We did. Yeah. So well, that must be what he means then. That's a trap, maybe. Overthinking. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they. Maybe there's some cheese that we didn't see in that missing panel. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe the prince left some cheese in Jimmy's bed. <laughs> so then the the uh, Jimmy continues on and an army jeep cuts off it cuts out in front of him and he decides to cleverly use his 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 knowledge of flag signaling to signal to them um that that he's in danger help i am being followed by assassin save me which i had no idea you could do with flags oh sure with semaphore flags but my question is why is the car outfitted with semaphore flags hidden in the hood this is a professor's car professor is prepared for any occasion obviously um but the answer comes in the form of a fiery rocket barrage which the soldiers fire at jimmy's car the fake gis are working with the killers so jimmy's going to take a cross-country shortcut over to the airport and arrives to meet marina his disguise fools her, and he gets a smack on the lips. But guess what? The assassins are right there behind him. Yes. And so is Lucy Lane. <laughs> so J- Marina gives Jimmy a gift-wrapped package, which he carries to the car, and it explodes. Seconds later, Jimmy's dead. The Poor end. Jimmy, the Thanks end. for coming, everyone. Uh, no, that's not true. So <laughs> it turns out previously when the thugs had bowed to the prince driving by, it was because he was wearing the ancient scarf of Rutoria. And the, the tradition is that anyone who wears it cannot be harmed, and they bow in reverence to it. But this time... Everybody wears it all the time. Right, you would think so. But Jimmy didn't know that. When Jimmy stole the prince's clothes, he left the scarf behind. He put everything on, even including a wig, but didn't use, the, didn't take the scarf. Because it had egg on it. it oh, right. Dirty. Of course it was dirty. Um, now, when we, the thugs think that the prince is dead. And when we radio the news of Sumi's death to Ritoria, our brothers of the Black Cult will slay his father, King Vonar. And then the Black Cult King will... Vona. Then the black cult will rule Rutoria, but just then, a supersonic signal flashes, and in split seconds, Superman arrives. Jimmy, not dead, points to the assassins and tells Superman to round them up and take them to custody, which he does by wrapping them up in the chain link fence nearby. Um. Jimmy informs the thugs that he had mastered their sign language, which tipped him off to every ambush. He says, but I didn't realize that when the prince wore the sacred scarf, you wouldn't dare kill him. When I disguised myself as the prince, I forgot the scarf. Uh, But luckily, he did bring his signal watch. Yes. 
Um, he realizes when he meets Marina that how did she know where the prince was staying so that she could call Jimmy's apartment? He should be suspicious of yes. that, of course. Can I just say, I spotted that clue. I was intelligent as a 1960s cub reporter. Well, yes. Well, the only thing I suspected was that she's no teenager. As described in the text. No. She's like Joan Crawford playing her daughter on The Secret Storm. On The Secret Storm. Do you know? Do you remember that? That soap opera, one of the one of the Joan Crawford films. Yes. So when, there was uh, Joan Crawford's daughter Christina, who wrote the book *Mommy Dearest*. She was acting on, she was acting on a soap opera in the 1960s, and she got appendicitis, and so Joan Crawford, who was significantly older than her daughter, filled in filled in for the week. And brilliant. And she was drunk, and she couldn't read the cue cards. So did the viewing figures go right up? <laughs> we'll never know because it was a live broadcast and they've had oh, no. oh. now how did jimmy escape the bomb blast you ask well since he suspected marina he took no chances he wrapped the gift in superman's indestructible cape which he brought with him which smothered the explosion and after Superman regains his cape, he flies the thugs off to be delivered to the FBI, which have no jurisdiction in international matters. He'd better fly them to the CIA <laughs> or the Hague or someplace. FBI is Federal Bureau of Investigation. Oh. That's internal to the United States. <laughs> Next day, when King Vonar arrives in Metropolis, he says... You see, your father suspected Marina was a black cult member. That's why he forbade your marriage, your royal highness. And the father's having none of it. Oh, he boxes his son's yes. ears. You yes. call him royal highness after the way he treated you, Mr. Olson. I'll cure his arrogance. <laughs> Do you think the King Daddy's just come back from filming Diamonds are a Girl's Best Friend? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know he's the king because he wears a monocle and has a Van Dyke beard. And a sash. And a sash, yes. Now he's going to make his son wait on Jimmy Olsen hand and foot as punishment. I like that. Is it, it is nice that Jimmy actually has a chef's hat for when people are cooking. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, don't we all? I don't. Oh. You should for your videos. Honestly, I would love that. <gasps> yes. Yes, well, stay tuned because we might have Kitchmas in July. Oh, wow. Well, wear a sash as well. Uh, it will be on YouTube. Apparently, I made some kind of a drunken promise to have it all musical episode, and people and remember it. People remember, and they keep on asking, where's your final episode of Kitchmas? Oh, yes, we need to have that. But only if you have time. You've got to have plenty of time just to relax because you work hard. I work from home. I have plenty of time. <laughs> I'm just lazy. Now, well, do, brilliant. does your copy have the letter column, Martin? It does, yes. Yeah, Jimmy Olsen's pen pals. So we have some theological debate here in the letter column. <laughs> Dear editor, in your July letter column, Max Borden said he had bet that Jimmy once disguised himself as an angel. You said he hadn't, but that he had disguised himself as a devil. Well, you're wrong. Since the devil is an angel, Max should have won his bet. Boom. That's brilliant. I actually read when I was a little kid a story in which Jimmy Olsen gets sent to Devil's Island. And I took the wrong message away. I, I thought that Devil's Island existed. 
and it was in fact ruled by the devil. I think you see someone. I think in that story, I think it's Lex Luthor dressed up as the devil. Oh, I bet they had quicksand on it. Yes. Oh. We have a listener friend who we always send each other little snapshots of any any occurrence of quicksand that we can find in comics. Because in the 1970s, when I was growing up, quicksand was the gravest threat anyone could face. All the Saturday morning cart- cartoon shows or the, the live action shows, you'd someone would be undone by quicksand. Yes. Yes. Yes, but there'd always be a, a branch hanging over that you could grab it. Yes, or wonder woman would stop by or speaking of other things that have disappeared from pop culture besides um um uh, quicksand have you noticed that we no longer use the term jogging we do because uh, every time steve and i are in the car we'll, we'll point out the window and go sexy jogger or aggressive ponytail jogger <laughs> well in america we are famously narcissistic and we either go for walks or runs the term jogging has disappeared from our lexicon. Maybe that was because the guy who invented jogging supposedly died while jogging and people don't want to say it anymore. Oh, I hadn't thought true? of that. I don't know. Is that true? I think so, yeah. But do, do you not find ladies when they're out running and they've got their hair tied up, do you not find the ponytails disturbingly aggressive? I, yes. I, and I, in fact, we have our neighbor who walks and she's only walking and her hair is very aggressive. Yes, she's our bouncy haired walker. She's very friendly. Um, but she, she that's why Butler always barks at her. He likes her husband. He walks. Uh, he always is nice to her husband. But her bouncy hair is something that just makes him very nervous. Yes. I'm not surprised. It's, mm, there should be a law. <laughs> <laughs> Do you suppose she uses pert? Pert hair spray? I don't know. Pert, no, pert hair shampoo. Doesn't that's a, that's something from the 70s and 80s. Pert. Yes. I don't think they sell pert anymore. Oh, we we had silver cream for happier hair. well this has been a delight indeed well it's been such an honor to be back with the gauze vidal of the comics podcasting set (laughs) and to be with you royalty yes comics royalty (laughs) if only sir if only now you're off to hawaii is that right well we are we're going off to if we're going to, well, we're flying from Edinburgh, Edinburgh, as we say, to Paris, and then Paris to Los Angeles, and Los, Los Angeles is somewhere called Pepite, and then we'll be going, yeah, we'll be sailing in the South Pacific and Hawaii, and I believe, because I saw this documentary once about this woman who sold coconuts on the beach, that if you go to the South Pacific, the skies change colour the whole time, and people sing songs. That's yes, yes. Every, uh, Every time a new theme is introduced, the people break out into song, right? And the color will change. The color changes, yes. 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 Yeah, like an ice cream nightmare. (laughs) Well, you should make sure that you clear plenty of space in your phone to film the musical sequences that happen all around you. Oh, definitely. I'm I'm actually taking my own sort of platoon of sailors with ripped shirts. (laughs) (laughs) Say hello to Stewpot for me. Oh, God, no, I saw that recently on stage and it wasn't a very good stew pot at all. Oh, no. And the guy who, the guy who was doing your, there is nothing like it. He just didn't go down the range properly. He, he started about halfway down, then stopped about <laughs> two from the bottom. Not good. God bless him. Well, my grandmother. Yes. Uh, as part of her ladies' auxiliary Masonic duties, 
led several tour groups to Hawaii. She would use what was her saying? She, I've been to Hawaii seven times, four, four times, times as, as an, an escort. escort. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, when I was a kid, I used to watch uh, the original Hawaii Five-O. Mm, yes. And I remember, I, I must have been about sort of five or six when I saw an episode, and the, there was this these evil relatives that were trying to send this rich guy mad, and they were dressed as the goddess Pele. And it was a scary thing in my memory. And I watched it again last year. I found it. I found it online. And what was just some guy with a painted face in, it, in his, this colourful dress outside the window, waving sticks and a flag, going, Pele when I go Well, we wish you safe travels. Thank you. I shall bring you back a plover's egg. Please do. Oh, yeah. oh, and I was going to tell you, we're planning to be in Scotland May of 2024. 2024 late May of 2024. Where, where, where about? Do you have plans yet? Uh, no, no, but we will be in touch because um, we want to we want to make sure that we we time our trip so that while you're you're still in country. Oh God, yeah, honestly, why would we? I'd, we'd cancel everything, kids. Oh, oh stop. stop! Oh, that would be amazing. You know, Steve would love that too, and the camera. But hopefully, we'll be talking to you before that. Yes. Well, I hope so. But meanwhile, I'll I'll get organising kilts for us all. Oh. Yes, please. <laughs> well, I'll make sure to we'll look up uh, the, the, the Lily's show. Yes. And also, I'll look up the Sunderland football team. Yes. Yes. Brilliant. I wish I had some homework like that. Well, I'll give you some. You mentioned South Pacific, so you need to watch all of Mitzi Gaynor's television specials there on Amazon Prime. Really? Oh, yeah. wow. Well, well Steve's actually take, taking to the South Pacific to read. Uh it was a James Mitchell's book, Tales from the South Pacific. Well, Mitzi Gaynor is much more entertaining than She's reading. a national treasure. I don't think I've ever seen anything but South Pacific, but I'm sure she's great. Oh, these television specials are uh, the epitome of the 1970s. They you love it. Brilliant. Well, I believe Mitzi Gaynor is Larry Hagman's mother. Whose mother? Larry Hagman's mother? No, no, that was Mary Martin. Oh, okay. I was kidding. Oh, oh. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. All right. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Anytime. And you know how, what we say at the end of the episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.